Thanks for listening to The Issue Podcast. If you like what you hear, be sure to catch our new episodes every Wednesday and Saturday. For more of The Issue and access to our top bets and fantasy updates, then subscribe to The Issue Miked Up. Link is on our website, which can be found in the bio of our Instagram, which is at the underscore issue podcast, and our Twitter, which is just at the issue podcast. New subscription episodes come out every Friday. Guys, thank you so much for listening to The Issue. You are now locked in and listening to The Issue. You look at this schedule. Find me the wins here. Find me the wins. You've got to be delusional if you think he's elite. Well, from what I'm seeing right now, he's a top 10 guy in this league, no doubt. Absolutely, I think they can be for a championship. I, I don't even think that's a, a debate I'm willing to, to have. This is The Issue. Yo, what's up? We are back. It is Wednesday, October 27th. Another episode of The Issue here. An exciting episode. Big today. one. Tyler King going to be on in about five to six minutes. Stony Brook linebacker going to be great time talking to him can't wait uh like i said coming up soon um subscribe to the issue mic'd up guys all right uh you want good bets you want good fantasy subscribe 3.99 a month think of it more as a think of it as an, an investment. investment yeah yes an to investment your, to your fantasy league to your sports betting habits either one yeah, if you're in a punishment league, also I think three ninety nine a month is uh, is worth not being the last place team and you know 100%. going out on a date with a toy or something like that. You right. know, there's there's a plenty of good you know. I've seen a lot of them. A good one, yeah, yeah. Like mine this year is you know playing an instrument in public, like Oof. you know outside of like a sporting event. You see the people playing the instrument and stuff. Problem is you can't. None play of an us, instrument. yeah, none of us are good at that. So that that would be interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would say it's worth avoiding that if you're in one of those type of leagues, but. Uh, no, I'm excited to talk to TK and uh, see what he has to say, obviously, about Stony Brook and, you know, even a little bit about the NFL, who he sees himself, all that good stuff, right? Right. We're going to get to that. Um, but I want to start with something that I said I would talk about last week because I predicted it would happen, right? I said, watch out for Case Keenum to play just as well, you know, maybe a little bit worse than Baker Mayfield. Watch the gap not be that big, right? I said, you know, watch the Browns. Well, I, I predicted the Broncos, which we'll start there maybe. Um, they're t- They're horrendous. They're exactly the team we thought they were coming into the year, and uh, I, I need to stop betting them. They're now in the Atlanta category. Don't bet them, although Atlanta did help me out this week. Anyway, because I think I beat you because of that. To get back a little bit more even. Right. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, Four and so three. I, yeah. So I said, Case Keenum is not that different from Baker Mayfield. They are they're more similar than they are dissimilar, you know? And I said, well, I, I, I was curious. I'm like, so... I saw them. I saw him play. Right, he he picked up like one first down less than Baker. He averaged like a half yard less than Baker. Um, talking about you know per attempt or per completion, whatever. Right. Um, you know he threw uh, didn't throw a pick. Baker you know tends to throw picks. A lot yeah, of them. Yeah, he averages mm-hmm. a pick a week. Right, Case did not throw one. Touchdowns were about equal. Now the offense is a little bit better with Baker. Baker's a little bit better. He's got a better arm. He moves a little bit more. He's got some moxie to him. Case at this point is what tenth or eleventh season. Just isn't that guy right now. Not a bad quarterback, though, so I was like, hmm, let's go look at their career totals and their career averages. 
Well, Case completes a tenth of a percentage less than his throws, and he's got you know slightly less on the on the touchdowns. Right? He's got he's got a half touchdown less per game. Um, you know, his pass rating's you know pretty close. He did the rushing is is negligibly different. So I'm thinking, what 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 does Baker do better? Like, what is the the gap's not that big? I said it wasn't big. It, it it's a half percentage point. His QBR was like three points less. Baker Mayfield is just a better version of Case Keenum. That's all he is. And so I I, I don't get when people are pushing, oh, B- Baker is the guy. He's turned around the culture. Now, I'd argue that having a really good offensive line and, you know, having a good uh, three or four great drafts in a row, getting Miles Garrett and and signing big free agents like Jadavian Clowney and, and John Johnson to safety and, you know, Bolstering your offensive line with a guy like Jack Conklin. You draft uh, um, Jedrick Wills, right? I would argue that that has pulled Cleveland from its hole. Hiring Kevin Stefanski, who's a great play caller, great play designer. You think Baker did it? Well, look at Baker with Freddie Kitchens. He was like, what, 6-10? and 10? So clearly isn't Baker because then the arrivals of Kevin Stefanski made them a playoff team and they won a playoff game. Even though Stefanski had COVID and... you. I, I don't think Baker is that guy. Yeah, he, he can lead them to a Super Bowl if he sits in the back seat. He's not driving the car. If he sits in the back seat, of course Baker can go to a Super Bowl. Baker can even make some throws to help you win the Super Bowl. But he's not the driver of that bus. That I'm thinking, I'm thinking that maybe, run game is. I'm thinking maybe Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, and the best offensive line in football, and the best offensive line in the last 10 years probably is is more of the reason why. I would say having a very clever offensive coach is the reason why. Baker, the guy who you would rather run a halfback draw on 3rd and 10, is not the guy. If you're handing the ball off on 3rd and 10, then your quarterback's not the guy. If you're going through forward on you know 4th and 6, like Justin Herbert does consistently, because Brandon Staley trusts him, that's your guy. Baker's not your guy. Baker's Case Keenum. The stats show it. The game showed it. I, I told you this from the beginning. The stats don't lie. The numbers don't lie. Baker's slightly better than Case Keenum. Predicted it. It was right. Haha. Let's see what Tyler King has to say. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, coming on now, uh, we got Tyler King. Enjoy. All right. We are now in with Tyler King, uh, linebacker for Stony Brook. Uh, he's been playing amazing this year. Just great. Uh, the Rice Award winner as of today. No, the, the watch list. Yeah. Right, the watch yeah. list. Yeah. Um, so, 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 Tyler... You got named that uh, the watch list. That was that was today, right? A couple hours ago. Um, what does that mean to you? And uh, you know, w- w- what are you going to do to you know ensure that you're in the finalists, not just the watch list? You know, it was it was uh, news to me. Uh, great news, obviously, but I'm looking to get three more wins uh, this year with our three games remaining before I start thinking about you know individual awards. Obviously, going to keep doing what I've been doing. Get to get on the film. Thankfully, if we have a bye week. We can uh, get a step ahead. But um, not really going to change much that I've been doing. Just got to stay focused and you know, kind of block out all that outside noise. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's a good way to to, uh, to think about it. Not get too far ahead. But uh, so let's let's rewind here instead of going to the future. Let's rewind. Let's go all the way back to to some PR days. Obviously, we all graduated from Pine Richland in in Western Pennsylvania. There, it's a football hub. Um, putting out a lot of now NFL guys, big time college guys. Um, so that that 
Kasparovich team and, and that staff, what did you learn through them and, and through your time at PR that you've taken with you that you can carry um, to even the game, you know, your, your next game? It taught us a lot of important stuff, but uh, most of all is just you know, the thing that I think made our Pine Richland teams the best was the chemistry we had and the friendships we had. And I think that this team this year feels a lot closer than it did in the spring for Stony Brook. And I think that's why we've, you know, we haven't had the best year, but we could have been really good. And our record doesn't reflect how, how good we are, I believe, but definitely the chemistry and playing for the guy to the left and the right of you. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know um, coach Casper, you know, preached that. Um, we talked to Jordan Crawford a while back and, uh, and he said similar things about him. So, so you leave PR, you go to the Naval Academy for, for a year Tell us some things that you, you did like about it and some things that you didn't like about it that ultimately led to you transferring to Stony Brook. Yeah, so I actually went to the Naval Academy Preparatory School because you you weren't able to redshirt at a service academy, and they showed me the roster, and about over two-thirds of the roster had went prep. So, I, you know, I thought it was a good idea. Um, then it was boot camp for three weeks and then school. And, I, I mean, I learned a lot of – a lot of important stuff and some cool stuff, obviously interesting. Not a lot of people get to experience. Um, overall, just wasn't for me because I just wanted somewhere where I could focus on football and school. And when I was recruiting, when I was younger, you know, obviously I, I didn't really see that. And I, I committed on my visit. Everything sounded good. They told me exactly what I wanted to hear. They didn't tell me about how I wouldn't have any free time and stuff like that, but definitely have a great respect for anyone in the service academy because, you know, that's some tough stuff and you got, you got to be built different for that. Right. And it's a big experience thing too, right? I mean, you don't really know how it is until you're actually in there living it, right? Exactly. It's, you know, you hear stories about it, but nothing's like it when you're now, when you're really in that situation in those shoes. I bet. Yeah. So, so you leave there, um, you said not for everybody, and uh, so you have about a year off, right, the the whole transfer rule and stuff like that, and, uh, you know, making your decision and everything. So would you, who did you train with in that offseason? What, what did you focus on, and, uh, you know, do you have any main goals in mind? So at the prep school, they did trimesters instead of semesters, and I stayed for about one semester. Then I left, and... Um, I was pretty much training alone, and then I was working, and, you know, it was just unfortunate seeing a bunch of my other buddies, kids that I have from other schools playing, you know, having their freshman years, but went on a couple of visits, was actually on my way home from uh, Akron, who was my first offer out of high school, and uh, they said I could walk on. I was kind of disappointed about it, a little upset, and Stonybrook calls me, says that they'll offer me a scholarship, and I'd never heard about it. Went to go check it out. Um, great, you know, on Long Island, cool place. Um, they had made the playoffs the past two years, and, you know, thought, why wait any longer and decided to go there. But for training, I was I was pretty much by myself, and it wasn't too long. It was about three months, and then I enrolled in early January. Yeah, and then, then you got into it, obviously training with the team and all that. Um, I was yeah. actually going to ask how campus was, but you kind of kind of talked on that um, with the Long Island. But uh, so so you yeah, just... I mean, ca- oh, campus ahead. isn't anything too crazy, but 
obviously there's a lot to do outside of campus if you in the summer you could go to the beach any day you want there's a beach five ten minutes away so i mean there's definitely some pretty cool things that's an attraction oh, right there yeah yeah <laughs> that would draw me to sony brook for sure um, so you said, you know, squad's not doing as well as you want, but, I, you know, you won the last two games. You guys are playing well, especially defensively, I've seen. Um, you guys are really ramping it up. So what do you guys do as a unit so well um, that's that's kind of starting to right this ship a little bit? Um, it really just comes down to everybody doing their job, being in their gap. Uh, first, first handful of games, we were about one to two plays away from winning. One to two times, maybe someone misfit. We had a missed tackle, and it just—we've just been cleaning up and really sharpening those uh, those mistakes, and it's shown these last two games. And hopefully, we'll carry through for the rest of the year. Oh, absolutely! I see. Uh, obviously, saw all over social media that sack against Oregon. Oh, that was awesome! It had to be awesome. Tell me a little bit about Austin Stadium and that atmosphere you played in there. It was pretty crazy. So um, first, we go out to warm up and. It wasn't too packed when we warmed up because the weather was it was kind of bad. It was kind of raining a little, cloudy out. Right. But they had a duck on a motorcycle driving around us in warm ups. There's smoke everywhere. It was wild. But um, then there was actually a 30 minute lightning delay, and I was like, "There's an, I was like, come on, this can't get canceled. Like this is a once in a lifetime thing. This isn't gonna be rescheduled." But um, it was it was crazy. Though. It was awesome. You know, yeah, that's especially one of the loudest stadiums, isn't it? Yeah, and especially because you know we gave them a bit of a scare. They were only up, what ten on us at half. Oh, absolutely. Then we kind of just we kind of just came out a little flat in the second half, unfortunately. But overall, cool experience, especially because you know probably half those guys are going to the league. Oh yeah, they'll, the they'll at least years. get a shot. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. They, they go to Ohio State and win. That's that, that's a, that's a good football team. You guys hung in there. Um, with yeah. for a whole half of football, um, so TK, six, you about six two. What are you? What are you up to weight now? Like two twenty five. I'm about six one two thirty five right now. Okay, all right, yeah, it's probably what I'm trying to muscle. stay at. Yeah. Um. So I personally, I see Micah Parsons in you because, well, not only the rushing ability, but then the speed to still be able to cover, you know, sideline to sideline. But definitely being a, you know, an inside linebacker that can rush the passer. Um, you actually played against Micah Parsons, so it's a it's a funny comparison. But uh, who do you who do you see in yourself, and who do you like emulate and model your game after? Appreciate that, but um, I'd say Luke Keekley. I always watch uh, some of his highlights before every game; gets me pumped up. But you know, he was just a student of the game, always on the film, knew what other teams were doing, calling out other teams' plays, and you know, I think that's something that I try to embody with the way I study film, try to pick up tendencies, just get an edge any way I can. Yeah, being in the film room, being a being a film rat, it's never a bad idea, and Luke Keekley's a guy to look up to there. Especially uh, with the athleticism right. end, too. On- oh, yeah. He, he was sideline to sideline. One of the He'll probably go down one of the um, all-time greats linebacker-wise. Unfortunately, he didn't you know, play um, longer, but uh, definitely a great one. So good, transition a little bit to the NFL kind of here. Um, do you, who do you like for the Super Bowl this year? Just curious. Honestly, I have no idea. I haven't I haven't really been following the NFL too much. Just the Steelers and, you know, they're looking a little rough. Yeah, not not looking great. Um you like Devin Bush? You like his game? Yeah. Um 
I think the Steelers got a bunch of good linebackers. Him, Spillane. You know, you got TJ Watt on the edge, obviously, monster. Yeah, I like Highsmith, too, coming from uh, what, Charlotte. Right, right. Um, who do you like for uh, college football this year? Talking FBS, you think uh, Cincinnati's legit, or you you think Georgia all the way? I'd love to see Cincinnati win, you know, a school that's not in a Power 5 conference yet, or are they yet? Um, wouldn't they? They're in the uh, AAC, the American Athletic Conference. Okay, yeah, so not yeah. not yet. I, I think they're, they're probably going to end up. To, yeah. Right. That'd be pretty cool because um, I, I bet no one really thought they had a shot before the year. Right. Also, to somebody different. But, um, yeah, exactly. It's not the same team or a couple teams every year. So that'd be cool, something different for sure. Yeah, definitely uh, got some you got some good uh, high school teammates doing pretty good at their uh, at their colleges too. I know uh, Michael Kadick's doing pretty good at, at Indiana and Christoph you know. got the start against UFC at uh or at USC <laughs> do that every time. Got the start at USC. Oh, he did? Um yeah, I think at left guard I want to say. Yep. Yeah, he got the start oh, there so that's uh it's good to see the boys rep it. Absolutely. Yeah, I know Mike's I know Mike's been starting all year. Yeah, it was, it was a rough game. They they started out well against Ohio State, you know, tying them with seven, and then it just went downhill from there. Unfortunately, their schedule is brutal, man. Yeah, they it, it was a rough. They got all their toughest opponents on the road, so that was a tough. Yeah, um, except for Ohio State's the only I think one they had at home, so that's a rough go of it for them. For sure, yeah. Right. Well, uh, TK, thank you so much for your time, man. Uh, really, really appreciate you coming on, and uh, it was great talking to you and uh, getting to pick your brain a little bit. Of course, it's been a pleasure. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. So that was Tyler King, uh, you know, just great guy, a great football player and linebacker, uh, you know, plays Luke his Keekly. position really Luke well. Keekly. That's Luke that's interesting. Keekly. Well, I guess not interesting. I mean, you kind of – who doesn't try to model their game? If you're a linebacker, if you're a young linebacker, that's that's probably the guy. Right, and he plays the he plays that role so well too. Yeah, he I plays mean, it so smart. The way Luke Keekley, you know, was able to study, like Tyler said, and, and – Get on, get on the film, and so it's a good, it's a good person to emulate, especially, um, you know, on the non-actual football side of the game, right? Right, and he can just pick apart that offense too, and and recognize that run so early. Uh, great yeah. run stopper, and then you know, sideline to sideline stuff, rushing the passer. He's really just, uh, I'd say, one of the most complete linebackers in the league. Well, he, he was in the league, maybe of all time, though. Yeah. Retiring early, it's unfortunate, right. but uh, I thought I thought Michael Parsons was a good one. I, I see. Just, I see it a little bit. They both rushed the pass. Kind of cool. They well. really, kind of cool. They played against each other. Yeah, it was. So that was uh, Michael Parsons went to Harrisburg. I want to say. Yeah. Um. Obviously, Tyler King here uh, went to PR Pine Ridge one, and they played in the state championship. Oh, that had to have been. Uh, oh God, maybe 2017, 2018, something, something, something like that. Yeah. Um, before Micah headed off to Penn State, and now TK at Stony Brook. Um. Hope you guys enjoyed the interview. Um. After this, we're gonna get uh into. A little bit of uh, Tomlin with the rumors going to USC. We'll see. Uh, doubtful. And then we'll get, obviously, into reviewing last week, predicting for Thursday, all that normal good stuff. Hey, guys, what's going on? It's the guys over here at The Issue. Excited to announce a new supplement opportunity for you guys through Phoenix Fitness, spelled F-N-X, capital F-N and X. Use code TJ2021, when you click the link in our link tree or go to fnx.com, TJ2021, it'll get you 15% off store-wide. Go out and get yourself an AM protein blend, just drank mine, Orange Dreamsicle, my personal favorite flavor. And then at nighttime, you can recover with their 
wide variety of BCA amino acid recovery formulas as well with creatine, glutamine, um, nighttime protein blend, it's a PM blend, spice and melatonin in there, put you right to sleep. Go check it out, Phoenix Fitness. Yo, we are back. Second segment. Just got done with Tyler King. Wow, that was really good. Yeah, it was. Um, I like what he had to say about uh, you know emulating Luke Keekley. That was awesome. Yeah, talked about that at the end a little bit, and, and just how strong of a comparison that is. You know. Yeah, and, and I thought about it. And I'm like, what? That's someone you want to compare it to? That's <laughs> talking about that's it a pretty over the good break. one. Yeah, yeah. Um, got a lot to do in this segment though. Mike Tomlin yeah. rumors to start out, and then Ooh. reviewing how, our predictions from last week. Yeah, it's you know. going to be a good one. And uh, let's check outside here. Weather, kind of overcast, 52. We talk about the weather at every time at the start of the second segment. It's kind of my thing. Um, you know, setting the backdrop, right? We're on an apartment, slippery rug, and it is 52 degrees. Kind of windy, though. Kind of windy. Always makes windy it here. Makes it feel a little bit colder. Right, but it's always windy here. Like, always. It is always windy, especially on camp. It's like a wind tunnel. But, uh yeah, not, not, not an ideal day, but uh, it is an ideal day to talk sports because we are inside and it's perfect. So let's talk about Mike Tomlin. He kind of shut down some rumors at his last presser um, about going to USC. He's a, he's a long shot odds right now, Vegas, according to Vegas, right, um, to, to become the next head coach of the USC Trojan football team. Yeah, he shut that down really quick. I didn't actually watch the full presser. It sounds like you watched more of it. Um, you sum up what he said, kind of. Um. He said it was laughable that, that they would consider that a, a real story. Uh, he said that there's not a paycheck big enough for him to go and coach at USC. Uh, he said, why would I do that? I'm coaching for the Steelers in the NFL. Uh, you're kind of already at the end destination. Why would you go back a step to go coach college football? I was listening to Colin Coward's take on it, what was that, yesterday. And he brought up a great point that, I mean, I kind of glossed over. I don't know how. But in college football, you're dealing with kids. You're dealing with boys, not men. In the NFL, you're dealing with grown men. You're dealing with people in their late 20s, mid to late 20s, all the way up until, well, in Tom Brady's case, 44. Yeah, not only do you have more responsibility, but they take more responsibility as well. And they're less of a liability. I would say less of a liability. I mean, like, you can... can I would say you could probably count on them a little bit more, right? I right. mean, there's definitely more mistakes being made by players in college, right? They're, they're kids. Like, we we do stupid stuff. We're just not on a, on a you know, yeah. on USC's football team, right? I can only imagine being in L.A., you know, there's a lot of distractions. When you're on an NFL team, like, yeah, those guys, they have distractions too. And, yeah, they, they go out and have their fun, right? They're men, though. They're, they're a little bit more accountable. They're more responsible. Um, I'm not sure. It would probably be easier to, to mold the younger men, you know what I mean? Um, you can't go in and just yell at a at a locker room full of NFL guys. That doesn't really work. Right. Yeah, you know, those guys are going to go home to their their wife and kids, and they have to put food on the table. Like that. That's a job. You know, in any job, if your boss reams you out in front of everybody else, it's not a great day for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can't just go yell at a locker room full of men and, and expect it to work. Right. That's why kind of the tough guy coach is kind of on the way out. Right. You're you're seeing more of the clever guys like McVeigh, Andy Reid. Like those guys are succeeding. The guys that are really, really, really good at. The X's and O's. Kevin Stefanski. Bill Belichick. Yeah, Bill Belichick. He is Bruce a little bit, Arians. He, he's, Belichick's a little bit of a, a crossroads. He's not a tough guy, but he is a... He's more of an intimidating guy. He requires... He re- demands respect. He requires, you know, probably harder work than 
maybe anywhere else in the league, oh, right? He demands excellence. But he also knows his excellence and knows. Like, oh, at, yeah. at this point, you're seeing the tough guy coach kind of fade out a little bit. That's why I'm not a huge fan of the Dan Campbell hire. Um, I feel like he's more of a tough guy than he is a, you know. Um, but Tomlin defensively knows his stuff. And he still brings that motivation factor. Not tough guy, but motivation factor. Yeah. Um, to pump a locker room up. He can successfully get a group of, you know, 30 and 40-year-olds ready to go and play a football game. 20, 30, and 40-year-olds ready to go play a football game. Which, you know, has these past couple years probably hasn't been easy when Ben's not been the best and you're working with Devlin Hodges and you got cluster injuries on your offensive line and you turn over a whole new offensive line. Yeah. Also, it's, you, it's probably tough. You have to think about this. Why would Pittsburgh let him go? Why? Yeah, I, mean, I, I would like, keep him. There's like a couple good coaches in the league. And he's one of the really good ones. We're going to talk about that later, actually, when we get into a little bit of a Pete Carroll discussion and just how bad the Seahawks have been. We'll talk about who we think are, you know, we'll give our, we always say quarterback tiers. We'll, we'll do a little coaching tier today. Yeah, it's in the third segment, uh, you know, coming up later in the show. If I had to guess, I'd say up about I, I'd 25, say, 30 minutes. Yeah, and I would say Tomlin is, is <sighs> towards the top of that. If he's not in the top tier, he is a close second tier coach, right? Right. He's a top 10 coach easily in this league. He's proven he's never had a losing season. Um, There's no reason. I'm for not him sure to why lose. he would. Yeah, I'm not sure why he would leave. I'm glad he shut those rumors down. Plus, USC's a dumpster fire. USC can't figure it out. Right, and and in USC's defense, if they need, if they would ever need Tomlin, now is the time that they would need a guy in the room like Tomlin. I understand their need and their want for him, and and probably it's them who were leaking the rumors of them wanting Tomlin in the first place. Tomlin's the one who just shut them down. Yeah, and put yeah, those. I think it's not Tomlin leaking that. No. Um, so let's get in, let's talk about some of the games, uh, from this past week. We're going to go all the way back to Thursday night. We kind of already brushed over that. Obviously the Browns beating, um, the Broncos, they're horrendous. The Broncos are Browns. Every starter pretty much was injured. Um, Ernest Johnson was their leading rusher and had a, a great game. Um, Austin Hooper, who hasn't really, you know, been the biggest target was their leading receiver. Like it just... They didn't have a lot of guys, and they mm-hmm. still beat Denver. Denver's abysmal. I, I can't bet them anymore. Yeah, they're really bad. Wait, hold up. i got to find my – got to find our, our week this week. Right oh, there. okay. Right here. Perfect. So, uh, you you beat you won that split. Yep. But then I got the Colts and Atlanta beating Miami. So, I, I effectively won this week. All right, here. You can write um, that down then. You can write that down. So, what am I? I'm three and four. You're four and three. Something I'm back within striking distance, guys. Back here. within striking distance. Back within a game. Um, okay, then we both said uh, Green Bay over Washington. Um, it kind of comes down to <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is better than Taylor Heineke. I think right now Matt LaFleur is coaching better football than, than Ron Rivera. So, big mismatch for Washington. They're just not playing good football. Their defense is supposed to be their best unit, and they're not playing good football even a little bit. They're, I think, dead last in scoring defense. That's not what you need to see. Right. All right, we both said uh, Carolina beating the Giants. That didn't work out. It really didn't. And Sam uh, Sam Darnold looks, you know, not that great. We've seen now two weeks where he's kind of taken a couple of steps backwards. Yeah, I don't Concerning. know if we had him in our bottom tier, but he's definitely worked his way out. Actually, we did because, you know, he was leading the league in rushing uh, touchdowns at that time. He, production was great for Sam. Uh, he's now been benched for P.J. Walker. Now, going forward, he will be the starter. But in that game, he did get benched for P.J. Walker. Um, 25 to 3. Daniel Jones, you know, looked pretty good. Did you see that one handed catch he made? Yeah. That was, that was pretty nice. awesome. Yeah. A little, little trickaroo. Ended up catching a pass. Uh, one handed. Looked like OBJ. <laughs> it wasn't even so much that, 
you know, New York won this football game. I would say Carolina lost the football game, but New York capitalized on the mistakes. They went 25-3 at home. All right, moving on. So, like I said, I said Atlanta. You said Miami. I don't believe in Tua, although he did have a good game, four touchdowns. The two egregiously horrendous picks um, ended up kind of being the downfall uh, for Miami. They didn't run the football particularly well either. Uh, Miles Gaskin was ripping off some chunks. I don't think they ran the ball enough. And, uh, I, you know, I trusted Matt Ryan being able to distribute the football to his playmakers. He's got a bunch of them. And I, he, he did just enough to win the game. They went 30-28 to 28 in Miami. That's a, it's a tough road game. That's a tough road game. It was, and it was a close game, too. I was like, dang, is Miami going to be able to, you know, pull this out? Because it would have been... They nice were up, to... what? They were up 28-27 going yeah. into it. And then uh, Young Way Koo, I believe is how you pronounce the, the name, kicker for Atlanta, ends up nailing a field goal late to win. Um, yeah, moving on. Okay, so then we both said uh, Vegas over Philadelphia. This kind of goes back to, again, I don't like Jalen Hurts. I don't trust Jalen Hurts. Um... Pass rating of 95, that's not bad, but uh, 38 of 30, or 18 of 34, that's the second straight week, under 60%. Actually, he's been under 50% a couple times this year. He doesn't complete enough passes. Um, he's a leading rusher. They don't rush the football enough. They, they have three good backs. They have Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, and Boston Scott, yet they continue to try to throw the football too much. I would argue that Jalen Hurts should be secondary on this football team. You need to run the football. You have an experienced offensive line. Run the ball. Run the ball. Because Jalen Hurts isn't making enough throws right now to get you into spots where you can succeed. That that team's not built to come from behind like they've been trying to do. Um, I'm just not a fan of what they're building in Philadelphia. Not a fan of Jalen Hurts. And, uh, yeah, it is what it is. Hold up. I, I, I think they were pretty bad on third down, too. I want to check that out. Their third down efficiency. I, I'm pretty sure that... Uh, Philly was horrendous on third down. Yeah, they were six for thirteen. That's not going to get it done. No. And I'm not saying Vegas was that much better. They were nine, uh, three for nine. They were also one for one on fourth down though, and they didn't put themselves in that position as often. But uh, Philly just is not it recently. Okay, moving on. Baltimore. We both had them beating uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. Why were we wrong? Forty-one to seventeen. Cincinnati moves into the <laughs> number one seed in the AFC. Joe Burrow is playing out of his mind. Jamar Chase is phenomenal. Although I will still contend that they should have drafted Panay Sewell. I will say, though, Jamar Chase is phenomenal. He is definitely, you know, making me eat my words a little bit, right? He's he's a really good player. He's probably the best. He's playing the best um, receiver in football right now. I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Lamar didn't look great, but it is what it is. I I sent you a text during that game. I was like, what is happening right now? I mean, yeah. I thought that was a pretty safe bet taking uh, taking Baltimore there, especially against Cincinnati and their and offensive line is horrible. Right. Was, or uh, Baltimore's at home, right? And it's with Cincinnati who has a horrible offensive line, like like it's Horrendous. really bad. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. And, and they were able to beat Baltimore. Yeah. Does that um, say more? Okay, real quick. Does that say more to you about the Ravens or about or about the Bengals? I think it says more to me about the Bengals because I think the Ravens they came off a couple really really tough games. Um, so you could kind of see how that would be a letdown game. I didn't think at home that they would lose that bad, but playing the Chargers, the Colts in overtime, um, those are a couple tough games, right? Yeah. And then, and then you you go you come home for the Bengals. That, that, that's a tough that's a tough matchup for Baltimore. But I didn't expect it to be that. Forty one seventeen, Cincinnati wins on the road. Um, okay, we both we both picked Kansas City. Kansas City looked horrendous. They lose. What was that? Twenty seven to three. 
27-3. That's, those, that's the least amount of points in the Andy Reid era. Patrick Mahomes, once again, is playing horrendous football. He went 20 of 35, 206 yards, no touchdowns, a pick, a QBR of 62. Chad Henney in relief had a QBR of 81. Um, look, he's got the weapons around him. They're not, first of all, they're not running the football uh, enough. He has to play hero ball, uh, ball a little bit. He's got no run support. His defense is abysmal. He seems like he's got to, he probably feels like he's got to play hero ball a little bit, and that's why he's throwing a lot of picks. He's now tied for the league leading interceptions with Zach Wilson. That's never a category you want to be in. Um, Patrick Mahomes should not be in the same category as Zach Wilson, but right now he is. I mean, he's playing bad football. He's been a bottom 10 quarterback right now. Yeah, um, and and the scary part about that is that money hasn't even kicked in yet. Yeah, it, it hasn't. His offensive line's only going to get worse. He's probably going to have to pick between Tyreek or Travis Kelsey. He's going to not be able to have Edwards Alaire and Darrell Williams in the backfield. You guys aren't seeing it. It's happening right here in front of your eyes. In front of your eyes. It's only going to get worse. Um, and that's probably how the Jets felt after the first quarter. Um, they <laughs> lose f- 54 to 13. Um, I mean, I mean, who do they even start at quarterback? They started well, Zach Wilson, but Zach Wilson got hurt. They then threw in Mike White. I've never heard of him in my life. Um, they just played bad football, 299 total yards. I mean, the Patriots put up 551 total yards of offense. Mac Jones looked phenomenal. Um, he went 24 for 36, 307 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, 112 QBR. They ran the football well, ripping off almost five yards a carry. There's nothing that they didn't do well. I'm not even sure they punted this game. That's a good. That's a good. That's a good week of football. For them. And it's what you expect from a Bill Belichick versus rookie quarterback game, though. You know what I mean? Rookie quarterback and rookie head coach. That's exactly what you expect. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think any of us were surprised. We both picked the Pats, um, as well as both picking Tampa Bay. Kind of for the same thing. You don't take a rookie quarterback, Justin Fields, against Tom Brady. That's just never going to work out. Even though Brady doesn't affect like directly affect that, um, that's just never going to work out. So, is Justin Fields the guy? Is it too early to be? But to be talking about that, I mean, it's one thing to not come out and look great. It's another thing to come out and look that bad. You know what I mean? Two, yeah. two touchdowns, six interceptions oh, and it's definitely on con- the year. It's concerning. They lose 38-3, to not even competitive. He had five turnovers in the game. QBR of 44. Well, I mean, what is he doing well right now? Not a whole lot. You no. know what I mean? And I, I get that his offensive line is bad. They're 16th. In pass blocking in the league, I get that that's not great. It's average. That's what you work with in the NFL. You work with average. Ninety percent of this league is is within a point or a point or so, right? Ninety percent of this league is average. You oh, got yeah. you got some bad teams at the bottom. You have the Jets, the Jags, them, right? And then you have the Bills and the five good teams. So, so you got five good teams, five bad teams. The rest of them are separated by about a point. Having the sixteenth best offensive line is. Closer to having the tenth best than you think it is, right? Right. He's he's not working with nothing, and he's doing nothing. Yeah, it's not good to see two touchdowns, six picks on the year. I think he's fumbled like five or six times now. Uh, it's been it's been rough to see. Brady obviously looked great. Fields did not. Um, what, what do you think about Justin Fields? I, I've watched some highlights. It doesn't look like he knows what he's doing. Um, it, it's disappointing, you know, because he was one of the guys that coming out like into the draft. People were really excited to see him. And then once he goes to the Bears, I know that team is, you know, desperate to find their quarterback. 
and I don't think he's the guy. I mean, I know it's early. It's seven. We've seen seven weeks of football. He's only played like what five of them, I think. Yep. So, so is it too early to to completely roll him out? Yes, but is it too early to be critical? And too early to be like nervous? Yeah, no, no, not, not at all. I think feelings right now of wondering if he's going to be the guy are completely and totally warranted. He hasn't shown or approved that he can do anything to be the franchise guy yet. So until I see that, I'm going to stick on this side. I'm going to need you to prove that you can be the franchise guy, not prove that you're not going to be him. Yeah, I agree. Um, You know who is the franchise guy? Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray had another great game, QBR of 121. He went 20 for 28, uh, 261, three touchdowns a pick. And he added, actually, he didn't really rush for that much. Only had 10 yards on the ground, but uh, they had a good rushing attack with Chase Edmonds and James Conner, so it didn't really matter all that much. Um, Zach Ertz catches his first touchdown as a Cardinal. Um, he's the first player in NFL history to catch a touchdown pass for one team, the following week catch a touchdown pass for another. Um, so his gloves, in the, his gloves and a game ball are going into Canton. That's pretty cool. And honestly, it's against the Texans, so that might be the most noteworthy part of this football game. It wasn't competitive. Um, Arizona looked bad for like the first quarter. Um, okay, sweet. If you give me three good quarters of football against Houston, you're going to win by quick math, 26. Um, pretty much every time, you know, uh, it wasn't competitive. Yeah, I think if you give me one good quarter of football against Houston, you'll be all right. Yeah, if you're Arizona and you give me one, look, if you would have given me a <laughs> touchdown and a field goal, you would have won. They only scored uh, five points in Houston. They must have had a safety or something, but. Um, yeah, Arizona's a good football team. I, I think right now they're the best team in football. I, I worry a little bit because they started out really well last year, too. I think they went like 4-0 and or you know 5-1. and they were, they were looking good through about this time of the season last year. Then they fell off because Kyler got hurt a little bit here and there. So still a little wary of them, but I think right now they're playing the best football um, in the league. I think so, too. All right, how about another one where we're split on the Colts and the Niners? Do you like the Niners? I like the Colts. Carson Wentz is playing better football, and that was clearly evident. He went... Um, 17 for 26, 150 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, 106 QBR. Added a touchdown on the ground, too. Um, oh, by the way, in a monsoon, um, <laughs> in a hurricane, it was insane. Uh, the, the rain that was coming down. On the, uh, now, look, you'd be like, well, that's, you know, the other team played in it, too. Yeah, and uh, the other quarterback went 16 for 27, 181, a touchdown on the pick, and a 61 QBR. So you tell me who's better. You know what I mean? Right. Carson Wentz is playing good football. Um they went 30 to 18 on the road. Hmm. I'm not even sure that the Colts won this game as much as the Niners lost this game. Kind of one of those deals. The Niners played horrendously, and uh, the Colts just capitalized on those mistakes. Carson Wentz just didn't miss a lot of throws, to be honest with you. Yeah, um, you know, I was a little hesitant on the Colts going into the week because of how bad he played, uh, and just the whole team in general played last week. Um, oh, when they lost the uh, Ravens, that might have been two weeks ago. I know what you're saying though. Right. On Monday Night Football. Yeah, when they yeah, I think that was two weeks ago. They might have had a bye, though. I'm not sure. But Either way. I know way. what you're saying, yeah. I've had my doubts about the Colts and uh, Carson Wentz. I was high on them coming into the season. Kind of lost a little bit, you know, for weeks two through, I don't know, five or six. And then, um, you know, they showed out this week. They, I'm kind they of back good. on the train. They, he's got 11 touchdowns, one pick this year. They played good. And, he's yeah, a good quarterback. He is, he is a good quarterback. Um, and we both predicted that this would be a year where he – Started to right the ship a little bit because things went sideways in Philly quick. So yeah, this is a little bit of a reclamation project so far. It's kind of working out. Like I said, eleven touchdowns, one pick. Yeah, they had a brutal schedule at the beginning when they still had a lot of injuries. They were still working out some new pieces on the offensive line, all that good stuff. They're, they're 
kind of getting back to that form with good defense, right? You're not yeah. going to be able to run on them, really. And a good offensive line. Carson Wentz is playing good football. They can still run the ball. Michael Pittman's emerging as a star on the outside. Uh, had another 100-yard game on on Sunday. So I, I think the Colts are kind of getting back into form a little bit of what we thought. Issue is Tennessee is better than we thought. So that's, that's a rough, rough break for the Colts. But they're getting back to it. Um, as well as the Saints post-Drew Brees. They're 4-2. Um, might not be the prettiest games. They win 13-10 up in Seattle. Like I said, might not be the prettiest. Jameis goes 19 for 35. That's not the best. 222 yards, a touchdown, no picks though. 83 QBR, did just enough to win. Targeted Alvin Kamara 11 times, connected with him 10, 128 yards through the air for Kamara, and had a touchdown. Um, ended up adding 51 on the ground. They didn't run the football particularly well, but like I said, Alvin Kamara won that football game. Catching 10 passes for 128 yards so as a running impressive. back. So impressive. Which cashed in for me in fantasy this week, by the way. Jameis uh, Winston was also my waiver pickup. Didn't lose me the game. Didn't lose me the week, so that works out well. Right. I'm sure that's how Sean Payton's feeling as well. Didn't lose me the week. Geno Smith continues to just play average backup quarterback football. They wouldn't let him throw the football. No, he only had 22 attempts, which I'm not really that surprised about considering Pete barely lets Russ throw the football. So um, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Geno goes 12 for 22, 167 yards, a touchdown, no picks, 94 QBR. That's kind of what I would expect for a Geno Smith game. Uh, but they just didn't do enough. They didn't possess the football long enough. They didn't move the football, uh, you know, as efficiently as they would have liked, as they would have needed to win the game. Um, so they end up falling. We both predicted the Saints anyway. And uh, Seahawks are now 2-5. and five. When we come out of the break, we're going to talk a little bit about Pete Carroll. And uh, is his job safe, to be honest with you? Yeah. Um, that'll be an interesting part to get to. Um, give, you, give you our coach tiers as well. Because that's something I was thinking the entire time I was watching that game. Number one, I was thinking of just, oh, God, how boring is this? Yeah, that was a bad game to it was, watch. It was really boring. It was exciting towards the end, obviously, because the fourth quarter was so tight and it was so close that you were just kind of wondering. Yeah, it was, yeah. But the whole lead-up, the first three quarters, first three and a half quarters were just unwatchable football with Geno Smith. It, it was so bad. Um, Seattle needs to... You know, maybe start thinking about getting a replacement for Russ, um, just in case, because you know a solid number two could uh, could really benefit them now. But with that, we will be back next segment. We will have our coaching tiers and our Thursday night prediction. So don't go anywhere. What's up, guys? It's the uh, boys here from the issue. We just wanted to give the guys over at Rockville a formal shout out. Yeah, they are fantastic. They have everything from lighting to audio for your car, your boat, and power sports, along with, you know, that's even where we got our new equipment for the studio. Yeah, no, absolutely. For some great equipment, um, hit up Rockville Audio. Check out their great prices um, for all your audio, uh, podcast, microphone needs. Yo, we are back. Third segment issue here. Um, first segment, great interview with Tyler King. Also talked a little bit of Baker Mayfield and the Browns. Second segment, had your basic weather to start. <laughs> um, the jet stream. Yeah, yeah. Talked, talked, a little bit, talked a little bit about Mike Tomlin. And then we obviously reviewed the games from this past week, um, week seven in the NFL. Now we're getting into... Um, our predictions for week eight, and then we'll get into our, our coaching tiers as well. Do you want to do predictions first or coaching tiers? What right. we'll, we'll do our Thursday night predictions first and That's then get into thinking. the coaching tiers. Uh, we'll have our Saturday episode out with all the Sunday predictions yep. and uh, our subscription episode on 
Friday. So go and subscribe to The Issue Mic'd Up. Have a great time over there. A little more relaxed. A little more laid back. Definitely it, it's chill. a good time. Yeah. Um, so let's jump into it. Let's go Thursday night predictions. We've got the Packers traveling to Arizona. The banged up Packers traveling to Arizona. Yeah, I guess banged up, but it, they're missing Devontae Adams. He's on the COVID-19 yeah. list. I don't know if he was in contact or how that's how that is or if he has uh, COVID. Uh, but he will not be playing for the Packers. So the line move from three and a half to six and a half tells you how valuable um, you know Adams is to that to that offense and to that team in general. But you know Aaron still wins seventeen. He's seventeen and, and one in games where he doesn't have Devontae Adams. Uh, so I mean that's you know he's fine. Yeah. But I still think Arizona wins. So I, I'm going to pick Arizona here. Um, they're favored by six and a half. That sounds about right to me. Also, though, you know, I'd look towards the Packers' wave to put to put some money on the Packers plus six and a half. Yeah, um, that's a, that's a pretty wide spread for an Aaron Rodgers football team. And I know that Arizona can score fast and furious, and not having Devonta Adams hurts. But six and a half is a lot of points, especially for Aaron Rodgers. I agree. I have my prediction, and I also have something to go along with that. I think Arizona will win. Um, I feel pretty confident in saying I like the Cardinals here. Um, saying the Packers to cover, I think, would actually be a pretty good bet. You could probably make some good money on that. I don't know what the money or what the payout's looking like. Let's see uh, for the Packers to cover. Yeah, check that out real quick. Check it out for the Packers to cover. Uh, they still have it at the plus three and a half. Okay. Um, yeah, it hasn't changed yet on Fox Bet, but uh, gotcha. Yeah, the line is at six. It moved three, and that's what I wanted to kind of parlay into this. Is we were talking about the Browns, we were talking about Baker Mayfield. The line moved more on the Green Bay game with Devontae Adams being out than it did when Baker Mayfield was supposed to be out, or when he was out. This past week, and Case Keenum was backing him up. The line moved more for Devontae Adams. And the crazy part about that is that's a quarterback and a wide receiver. And the wide receiver is supposedly, by Vegas's numbers, more valuable to the team and to the amount of points that will be scored than Baker Mayfield being a quarterback, a supposed franchise quarterback. Yeah, I remember uh, Coward said that, oh, but that doesn't mean that Baker is more valuable. No, or that, yeah, that Baker is less valuable. No, I, I actually, I do, though. Because of value over replacement, you know what I mean. So, mm-hmm. because of the fact that his replacement is him in like six years, that that the line doesn't move. It's the same guy. It's the same guy. It's almost like the war stat in baseball: wins over replacement. It's, yeah, it's worth you know may, cases maybe worth a point less, yep. maybe. And the line, I think, it ended up being like a half point less. Yep. I don't. Devonte is one hundred percent worth. I think he'd be worth more than three. You know, I'd say I feel good about the Packers maybe covering that if you throw that in a parlay maybe. I, I actually, I mean, in reality, the Cardinals will probably cover. Money-wise, you know, it would be worth your while to throw some scratch, you know, on uh, on Green Bay. But Devontae Adams, like, there's there's a blowout potential here. Um, you, you know, you're looking at a team, what do they throw at Alan Lazard? Robert Tanyan's going to be your top target? But on the flip side, it's going to be D Hop, Rondale Moore, Christian Kirk, AJ Green. That's a, a Zach Ertz. That's what you're going up against. Yeah. Um, Very loaded Arizona team. No, I'm I'm with you. That that is crazy though. That the, the whole Baker line and everything like that. Nuts. It just goes to show. You're right. It's exactly like war. Wins over replacement. It's like points over replacement. You yeah. know what I mean? And and 
Devontae's replacement, the number one receiver is going to be what? Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez, Scantling. Randall Cobb's going to catch a couple more passes. Okay. I mean, okay. I'd say, I'd say Devontae's worth about three points there. Absolutely. He's worth three points. He's like the spark plug other than Aaron Rodgers to that offense. Yeah, um, I agree. Matt LaFleur's going to have to come up with something clever. Speaking of coaches and Matt LaFleur. I think he could come up with something clever. We have him listed as a tier three guy, but let's get into the, the tiers because that doesn't mean that he's bad, right? That means he's still in definitely the top half of the league, right? Absolutely. So let's get into tier one. These are your guys. These are your proven guys. Most likely have won a Super Bowl, and they can win pretty much regardless of who they have, right? So now the first one, you're going to say, well, 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 hold up, but I'm going to put Bill Belichick on here. Yes, Tom Brady was a mainstay in his offense. I get that. Tom Brady also really, for some of those years, wasn't the feature of that football team. They've always had really good defenses, great run games. They can develop offensive lines. I think Bill, yeah, Bill is going to have to learn to win without Tom Brady. So would any coach. You know what I mean? You, you can't just move on from the greatest player in football history and just be dandy the next day, right? But he's starting to get a little bit. Mac Jones is looking better and better every week. The running game's improving. The offensive line is improving. The defense is flying around just like you would expect a Belichick-led team to do. Plus, come on, let's be real. Can you actually put a guy with six Super Bowls in, like, any other tier? No. He's a tier one guy. Yeah, he is. Don't fool yourself. Um, next guy, I would go Andy Reid. Um, just been a, being able to do it for so long, finally getting that Super Bowl under his belt as well. And what he's done with Patrick Mahomes is, is pretty incredible. Oh, my gosh. A yeah. guy who definitely had some flaws coming out of college and, and grooming him into not, not playing like it right now, but, you know, a top three guy in the league right now. Um, I could hear arguments for, for the three. Anything outside three, I, I kind of lose interest because you're, you're just talking – crazy at yeah, that point. Yeah, you're just not. You're not in the realm of real reality, right? No, yeah. Now, if you told me right now he's a bottom five guy, I would agree with you. Mm-hmm. But in the grand scope, he's a top three guy. And what he's been able to do with Patrick Mahomes has been pretty incredible. And, and building the team and having a huge part in building the team around him, you know, has been awesome. Oh, yeah. And he's a clever play designer as well. Um, all right, how about let's go Sean Payton. He falls into that category as well. Clever, clever play designer. Being able to take Drew Brees, who is cast away by San Diego at the time it was the San Diego Chargers being cast away by them and they ended up going to draft Phillip Rivers ended up working out for both organizations but Saints gave up a lot to get Drew Sean Payton that, that's a lot of pressure on him to make that work um, he did he wins Super Bowl with Drew Brees and now you see him he's 4-2 and two with Jameis Winston um, he still has Taysom Hill at his disposal if he needs him Calvin Kamara is still awesome but he's not working with a whole lot outside of that no. the defense is average um, the offensive line's okay the weapons aren't great on the outside and he's still winning games. He's 4-2. and two. He goes to Seattle. Granted, they're not a great football team, but that's a tough atmosphere. Um, Sean Payton's a good coach. He's a, he's, a, he's a good football coach. He's definitely top, um, in this case, three in the league. I 100% agree. Tier two. Yeah. Let's go. These are the guys that are so close to tier one. They're on the cusp of it, but they just don't. They, these first they, two guys especially. Yeah, yeah. They, they either don't win enough, uh, whether it comes to Super Bowls or games in general, or they just haven't had... I feel like the guys in the first tier, you, you, you see the performances where you're like, oh, they single-handedly won that football game. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you see Bill Belichick with Mac Jones, rookie quarterback, go on the road or something like that and just win a game where you're like, he has no business winning that football game. Last year, Cam Newton going to L.A., Justin Herbert, high-powered offense, holding him to, like, three points and throttling him by, like, 30. Yeah, That's a game that Bill Belichick, you just put the win on his shoulder right there. These guys in Tier 2 don't necessarily have a whole lot of those games. A couple of them do, but for some reason, they're just not quite Tier 1. Um, let's go with Mike Tomlin. Um, he's never had a losing season. 
even with Ben declining or Devlin Hodges starting or Mason Rudolph, he's still never had to lose a season. His defensive has defenses have been historically, you know, pretty well. Uh, you know, they've done pretty well. Oh yeah. Um, I would say the past couple of years he has the most consistent defense in football. I would say Washington was the only one that was in the running to give him um, some fits there, but uh, they've fallen off dramatically. So I think you could say he's had the best defense in the league the past two years. Um, like I said, the guy just wins. He has a Super Bowl under his belt as well. So. Um, yeah, Mike Tomlin, tier two. Yeah, uh, the adversity that he's been able to come uh, overcome is, you know, the, the reasoning for him being right on the cusp. But the reason that he's not in tier one might be the lack of Super Bowls. It yeah, might be I would say yeah. Also, winning some a of Super the, Bowl with a little bit of you know, people always say cowards players, right? right. So that's it. it hurts him a little bit. And the other dog that I would put on Tomlin a little bit is the Steelers organization has been pretty noisy the last I'd say three to five years. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and that's not a. That's not a good look. Uh, you don't want noise, extra drama coming out of the locker room. For the most part, he's hammered that down his whole career. Uh, but lately, there has been more noise. I don't know if it's the addition of a couple uh, TikTok stars or what. But uh, <laughs> we'll see. Um, okay, I would say fitting into this category as well, John Harbaugh. Both of these guys win Super Bowls really early in their careers and then have not since. So I guess that's why they dock them a little bit. But what Harbaugh's been able to do, obviously winning Super Bowl with Joe Flacco, who we see now is not a good quarterback, right? Yeah. He was okay at the time. He was average. But being able to win with that, um, with Joe Flacco, is saying something, right? And then what he's been able to do to transform this entire football team, this offense, to suit Lamar in every facet of the game is is quite impressive, I would say. I mean, that is – like, knowing that you're going to lead a lot of games because you're going to be running the football and controlling the clock – and so you go out and, like, get pass rushes and stuff like that and get DBs because you know other teams are going to be throwing. Like, that's just genius. You're, you're building every facet of your team to fit Lamar and going all in on a guy who is a once-in-a-generation type talent. Uh, g- good on him. And uh, I think I think Harbaugh, what he's been able to do, it, it, deserving of being top five. Right, and he was able to be self-aware enough to realize that the team that he had built before, like, pre-Lamar, was not going to be the type of team that was going to be able to support a guy like Lamar. And he was able to be like, look, we, we need change. to completely retool. Yeah. And a lot of people raised eyebrows around the league when they started dumping players. Yeah. But it ended up working out. He's done a great job with Lamar Har- Harbaugh in Tier 2. Yeah, I agree. I think also Pete Carroll in this thing. But I, I, I don't think Pete as, is quite as high as some of the other guys. Look, winning the Monster Bowl is great, right? He's probably going to be a Hall of Famer, right? He's winning a lot of football games. None of them, none of them worth it without Russ, though. He has not been able to win without Ross. They're two and five this year, um, and the and the thing that's concerning to me, like Bill Belichick, no matter how much he wins with Mac Jones, his thing is defense. His defense always looks good, whether he's winning or not. The issue with Pete Carroll is he's supposed to be this tough, hard-nosed defensive guy who can run the football. They're in the bottom five in the league in both categories. They can't run the football, and their defense is horrendous. Yeah. So it's not it's not that he's losing football games. He's losing. And he's being stabbed right where it, right in the right in the heart, you know. Yeah. Right where he should be excelling, he's horrendous. Um, and anything outside of Russell Wilson, they're just simply not good at. So, uh, yeah, Pete Carroll, I guess, tier two, just because of the Super Bowl and generally he wins a lot of football games. But without Russ, he just isn't getting done, and it's the fashion in which he's losing that keeps him from being a higher. A higher tier guy. I mean, like we said, yeah, Belichick is one without Brady. We've seen him put it together with Mac Jones. Uh, Sean Payton is one without Drew Brees. He's four and two with Jameis Winston. Yes, in, it, our, it, in the small sample sizes, we've seen them win more consistently. Right, and, and what we've seen so far, 
He hasn't shown anything that he can that he can win without Russ. He hasn't shown yeah. even a lick of hope. Yeah, I agree. Uh, okay, let's go with Sean McVay. I think he's on this in tier two because of how clever of a play designer he is, and uh, you know he's won a lot of big games. He's been in a lot of in a lot of big playoff games in his young career. He got to the Super Bowl with a guy like Jared Goff, who's what 0 and 16 now without Sean McVay. Mm-hmm. So it goes to show you know what Sean McVay can do for you. Um, you just talk to the guy, and he is just—he's probably the smartest guy in the NFL. I mean, yeah. really, have you ever seen one of his press conferences where he can totally recite an entire game of what plays? You're like, oh. Hey Sean, on that on that third random third and three in the third quarter, and he goes, ah yeah yeah. So that's like the sixty something play of, of the game for us on offense. Um, and this is not even this is right after the game. He hasn't even watched film yet. But yeah, that was play number sixty two on offense for us. Um, uh, they came out giving a, a too high safety look. We came out in twelve personnel. And you're like, Jesus, this guy knows dude, exactly what he's talking about. I've heard of photographic memory. This dude has like a videographic memory where he can like walk, like see it happen and just like, yeah. yep, that happened there, that happened. It's just his preparation and being so aware of what's happening on the field because he knows exactly what's going to happen. Then it does happen, right? So the study and then seeing it come to fruition, you can tell he should win a Super Bowl or two in his career. And, and uh, he could have had one, but... You know, when you're going against Bill and Tom, it's a, it's a tough. Is that him in the video? I can't remember right now. I've, I've, you're, you've probably seen the video where one of the coaches, it's a head coach, he's on the sideline, and right before the play, he goes up to the ref. He goes, hey, watch this. Uh, he's running an out route, 62. He's going to hold him right here. All right? He, watch this hold. He's not going to let him out. And then, boom, snaps the I ball. I think it was. And hold, hold, hold. Didn't let him out. Flag, flag comes out. Yeah, I think that was McVay. I think that was McVay. Nuts. Insane. Yeah, he's, he's a great coach. Um... All right, well, let's go with Bruce Arians, uh, what he was able to do with that team. Look, it's, I, I know you can say Tom Brady this, Tom Brady that. It's not easy for a coach, though, to deal with a guy coming in who probably is more popular and has more power than you, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, and also, he had a big part in hiring Todd Bowles, who's a really, really good defensive coordinator and proved to be crucial down the stretch last year for that Super Bowl victory. Um, and he had a big part in, in a lot of the players on that team. So, yeah, I would go with Bruce Arians. Um tier two i would go lower end tier two but he's definitely up there and what he's been able to do with multiple teams has been pretty impressive so yeah. uh, i'd go bruce arians yeah yeah i feel like that's his ability that's to adapt also is what is something i like a very good spot there i mean obviously when you inherit a quarterback like tom brady um things are going to get good real quick but um i mean he, he's just an offensive mastermind yeah yeah um all right how about let's go with tier three these are the guys that have a lot of the same qualities that I look for in a tier two guy, but either A, haven't done it for long enough, or B, have showed flashes but not shown enough over the course of their maybe a little bit longer of a career. And guys like, that need like more help. Yeah, need a little bit, like you need a little more talent on their team, obviously. And, uh, you know, guys that you see that they might not be as clever, right? You know, so in that case, we'll start with Mike Zimmer. We'll start at the bottom here. He's not as clever on offense. Great defensive coach, great motivator. He's won a lot of games, he's won some playoff games. Hasn't quite been able to put it together, though, to get to a Super Bowl or anything like that. Um, but you could see if on the right team, right, if he inherited a couple different rosters, right, you could see him making a run at the at the Super Bowl um, and been able to work with Kirk Cousins and, and not a whole lot else and still being competitive pretty much every year is saying something. Uh, he's just one of the good guys in the league, and he's bottom end, tier three, but he's, he's definitely tier three, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, again, looking at whole body work here, guys. Um Kevin Stefanski, this is on the flip side. Very young guy. He's barely mid through a season. Um, but, God, you can see already what he's what he's been able to do with Cleveland. First of all, winning a playoff game with Baker Mayfield. 
<laughs> in Pittsburgh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when's the last time that happened? I don't think ever. I don't think Cleveland has ever won a playoff game here in Pittsburgh. And Kevin Stefanski's able to do it. Um, also, very, very, very good play caller, play designer as well. Um, and, and I like that he's not overcomplicating his team. He knows the strength of the offensive line. He knows that they can run the football. He knows he needs to manage Baker, and he's executing all of that. Yeah, he is. Um, it's easy to say. It's, it's another thing to do. And being able to manage personalities like Baker, like um, Odell, like Jarvis Landry, you know, that, that's not easy. And he's been a, he's been doing a great job. Absolutely, we talked about that a little bit earlier. How it is dealing with with players like that, at college as opposed to the pros. Yeah. But one of the things I look at when I look at Kevin Stefanski is okay. Let's look at some of uh, the prior coaches that have come there before him. Right. Obviously, they weren't able to get it done. Nobody has been able to get it done in Cleveland yeah. for like a decade and a half. Um, probably even close to so, twenty. Yeah, yeah, like 15, 20 years. Nobody's been able to do it. Kevin Stefanski is the first glimmer of hope that Cleveland has had that says, you know what, this coach actually might be able to be around for more than one to two years. Yep. Um, so, you know, I like what he's doing. Um, winning with a, I'm going to say, franchise quarterback in Baker, but not as talented as a, of a quarterback as one may want. Yeah. Um, he's been able to do it. He looks good. Tier three. I'm with it. Um, good, kind of going off that Matt LaFleur. Um, no, they were kind of in the dumps. Aaron Aaron was declining, although slight, still declining. With Mike McCarthy, he was able to come in two back-to-back, what, 13-3 records, I believe. Um, win in a playoff game. I, right? Yeah, he won a playoff game. Yeah, because of the uh, NFC Championship game. Yeah. Um, he's been able, able to elevate a lot of guys around him. Devontae Adams has never looked better. Aaron Rodgers has arguably never looked better. MVP season last year. Oh, yeah. Starting to look really, really good this year. Um, and again, much like Stefanski, you can see the clever play designing here and there. Now, I don't like a lot of the influence he's had on the drafting, so I, I think uh, he'd, he'd be lower end tier three for me. Um, but, I mean, you can tell that he, he, he's he got his head screwed on right. That's oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I would say just a better version of both of those coaches would be Sean McDermott. Again, hasn't done it for long, like long enough, right? Won a playoff game or two. But what he's been able to do with Josh Allen, just being able to win games in Buffalo, who has not won a lot of games, great atmosphere, but has not won a lot of games uh, before him, being able to transform Josh Allen into a top five quarterback in this league right now. And uh, what he's done on the defense, which is kind of his specialty, has been special. Just special. They've been really, really good, good at the start of this year. You can see him starting to, uh, you know, to put themselves in a top 10 type of defensive area. And, uh, again, for a non-offensive guy, being pretty clever with the play calling, him along with Brian Dable, um, shout out him. You could do a little honorable mention here as a coordinator. Brian Dable is, is lumped in with McDermott because of what they can do. I think he will be a head coach soon, by I the think, way. Uh, I think he will as well. Um, so, yeah, that is our tiers to review. We got Tier 1, Belichick, Reed, and Sean Payton. Tier 2, we have Mike Tomlin, Jim Harbaugh. No. Is it Scott or Jim? Jim. Is it Jim? Are we Jim. sure? It's Jim. No, it's Scott. Or John. No, it, why am I saying Scott? That's the weatherman. That's man. the weatherman in Pittsburgh. Oh, my God. Um, is it John? It's Jim. I think it's John. Why do they have to name him so similar? <laughs> Let me look up man. John Harbaugh. I think it's John. Yeah, it is John. It's John Harbaugh. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Jim Harbaugh is at Michigan. Anyway, John Harbaugh. I'm sorry. Sorry, Scott. As a, Scott, I, I'm guessing he wishes he was one of the Harbaughs. Well, I mean, you're a weatherman. Yeah, you're I am like a weatherman, so I'm always just in the weather mindset. <laughs> 
<laughs> also in tier two, we have Pete Carroll, Sean McVay, and Bruce Arians rounding out tier two. And then in tier three, we have Sean McDermott, Kevin Stefanski, Matt LaFleur, and Mike Zimmer, who is on the cusp of falling out. He was on the on the back end of tier three there. Um, so I guess you could say that that is our top one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve NFL coaches. There you go. There's generally about twelve teams competing for a championship, and I would say about eight of these uh, twelve coaches are you know have their teams competing for a championship. They're in the race. So good on them. Um, thank you guys for for sticking around. That yeah. was the issue. <laughs> <laughs>